presented by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey there, Playbook listeners. I'm Raghu Manovalan. House Republicans attempt to get an array. It's Groundhog Day for the Congressional Black Caucus. Plus, 2024 watch heats up. Here are the big things we're watching on Thursday, February 2nd. Would-be Republican White House aspirants face a harsh reality. It's not just Donald Trump who's freezing the 2024 field. As GOP strategist Scott Jennings puts it, they don't have a Trump problem, they have a Ron DeSantis problem. But consider this, as Politico's Jonathan Martin reports this morning, the history most on the minds of the Republicans considering the race who are not named Trump or DeSantis is what happens when there's a bloody battle between top contenders. Spoiler, it augurs well for a third candidate. Here's the question then, who might that third candidate be? Maggie Haberman, Michael Bender, and Reed Epstein from the New York Times write, contenders have so far been unwilling to officially jump into the race, wary of becoming a sacrificial lamb on Mr. Trump's altar of devastating nicknames and eternal fury. Republicans who hope to stop him worry that dithering by possible candidates could only strengthen Mr. Trump's position and could even lead to a field that is far smaller and weaker than many in the political world have anticipated. This morning, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan will call in to Hugh Hewitt at 7.05 a.m., followed by two New Hampshire hits, WFEA's Morning Update at 7.38 and WGIR's New Hampshire Today at 8.08. Paul Steinhauser from Fox News writes that Senator Tim Scott is kicking off his Faith in America listening tour, including ads in a key 2024 primary state. Notably, Senator Tim Scott's remarks in his home state of South Carolina come on February 16th, one day after former Governor Nikki Haley, who first appointed Scott to the U.S. Senate, is expected to launch her own presidential bid in the state. Politicos, Olivia Beavers and Nicholas Wu report this morning that after a flip-flop-filled struggle, the House GOP's whip operation appears poised to pass its first major test, booting progressive Representative Ilhan Omar from a prized committee spot. Just days ago, it seemed like a real possibility that Speaker Kevin McCarthy, despite his projected confidence, could lose his long-threatened vow to remove the Minnesota Progressive from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Then, Representative Ken Buck, who initially said he would vote against kicking her off, switched to yes on Wednesday, after Representative Victoria Sparts flipped the same way the day before. This afternoon, a subset of the Congressional Black Caucus will sit down with President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris to officially restart the push for police reform legislation that's following yesterday's funeral of Tyree Nichols, whose death last week at the hands of Memphis police has galvanized advocates for reform. In conversations with people on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue, we felt a sickly deja vu. Lawmakers and White House officials recognize they've been in this place before. Both suggest they're eager to respond, but feel limited in their ability to do so, constrained by the political reality and the scope of their powers. There's a resigned sense that little is left to do, but run the same old stale playbook. Representative Maxine Waters, who will attend the White House meeting, had this to say, I'm not optimistic. I'm not confident we're going to be able to get real police reform. I approach working on this issue as a responsibility that I have to do, that we must try. Black lawmakers have zeroed in on their first and biggest request of Biden, a commitment to talk about policing in next week's State of the Union. 
One CBC member told Playbook the group is even considering telling Biden exactly what they want him to say, and that they expect him to bang the drum until legislation hits the Oval Office, said CBC Chair Stephen Horsford. The president has unique powers. He can use his position to help, just like he did, by getting the bipartisan Safer Communities gun control bill across the finish line, just like he did with getting the infrastructure law across the finish line, just like he did getting the chips and science law across the finish line. But there's also legislative reality. The CBC has discussed using the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act as a starting framework for any new agreement. Negotiations on that bill fell apart most recently in September 2021. Since then, the House has flipped hands and support in the Senate remains well short of a filibuster-proof 60 votes. A senior Democratic aide involved in these conversations told Playbook, Obviously, we can't put the same exact bill up right now. The uneasy truth for police reform advocates is that for any proposal to stand a shot at passing, they will have to scale back their ambitions. CBC members know the onus is on them to bring a realistic legislative plan to Biden. And short of that, they're preparing a list of executive actions they want the administration to consider. Even so, CBC members and their allies remain hopeful that Biden's bully pulpit can move the needle. Next week's State of the Union address will provide him with a massive audience. Members of Nichols' family are expected to attend the speech as Horsford's guests. Police reform advocates see the potential for a breakthrough moment. Maurice Mitchell, the national director of the Working Families Party, told us, good politicians are able to adapt to the weather. In the shadow of this horrific murder, the political climate has shifted, and so that requires a different type of politics, not the politics of two weeks ago or the politics of a year ago. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 7.30 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to the National Prayer Breakfast. There, he'll deliver remarks with Vice President Kamala Harris also in attendance. At noon, Biden will have lunch with King Abdullah II of Jordan and His Royal Highness Crown Prince Hussein. At 2.15, the President and Vice President will deliver remarks to mark the 30th anniversary of the Family and Medical Leave Act. At 4.30, Biden and Harris will meet with Congressional Black Caucus members at the White House. The House meets at 9.30 a.m., at which time it will begin consideration of two resolutions under a rule. The first would denounce the horrors of socialism, and the second would remove Representative Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. First and last votes of the day are expected at 12.15. The Senate meets at 10 a.m., at which time it will consider Joseph Falk's nomination to be a member of the U.S. Institute of Peace Board of Directors. At 1.45, the Senate will vote in confirming Falk's nomination. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Roku Munavalin. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. The world's need for more reliable, affordable energy is intertwined with the goal of building a lower carbon future, meeting energy demand, and alleviating energy poverty worldwide with reliable, affordable energy while reducing greenhouse gas emissions is a challenge that the natural gas and oil sector is meeting head on. The solution is right here. 